right, joining us now here live from the 2021 USTA Boys 16s and 18s National Championships in Kalamazoo, a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows. And I will say one of the most fun things for me setting up this booth, getting to talk to all of these coaches in person, I am now live with Texas A&M men's tennis head coach Steve Denton. I will say this, coach, your presence, far more intimidating in person. You've got that gentle Texas twang. I'm like, nicest man in the world. You walk up. You're still the nicest man in the world, but then you're like, oh, yeah, six four six five this guy used to be pretty good at this sports coach how you doing today uh doing great it's ha- i'm happy to get to be out here like all the other coaches to be able to see these young players after such a long time and it's great to have the tradition back of having kalamazoo the greatest junior tournament i think in the world mm-hmm. and obviously this is a tournament you played once or twice you're yeah, on, I, I did, in but your i wasn't time. very good at that stage in my career still Fair. alex i i kind of was a basketball player first yeah. uh, tennis player kind of second and really when I went to college it was the first time that I played tennis full-time and I got a little better as I got through uh, uh, the first couple of years of college and uh, this was uh, obviously a stepping stone though to come here uh, to encourage you to and motivate you to try to get better absolutely and I just did a fact check on my computer you did get a little bit better in college I can confirm that fact for you coach (laughs) certainly to say the least and uh, you know you bring up the fact being back here getting to see these players in person getting to do some recruiting in person that wasn't something you were able to do throughout most of 2020 even early in 2021 we have players we have parents of prospective college tennis athletes who listen to this podcast I'm curious your opinion how important is the in-person recruiting process what are the sort of things you're able to just do in person that you weren't over the past year well I mean obviously watch you know we haven't seen all these players in such a long time uh to be able to really see where they are in their games we were able to follow them on a much more consistent basis and now there's it's been a big gap first time in history that there's been that kind of gap where uh coaches haven't been able to see all the players and their progress and what kind of momentum they gained but I would say um Overall, I'm pretty pleased considering uh, the lack of match play for most of these kids. Uh, Obviously, fitness is an issue right now because they're not match tough yet, Mm -hmm. many of them. Uh, The ones that have gotten to play a fair amount of matches are ahead of the ones that are not. Case in point, the guys that got to play a little college tennis this last year, like a Ben Shelton, he's a little further along, Mm -hmm. you know, because uh, he got a lot of matches in and – you know, obviously he was a beneficiary of that and was able to win a pro tournament this last week. So um, those types of players you look at right now are a little bit ahead. But, you know, with more match play and uh, these kids getting the opportunities to compete against one another, they'll they'll all, you know, rise up and play much better as the season goes on. No, oh, absolutely. And I know for you, uh, again, your team in particular at Texas A&M, it's a year of change for you guys. Habib, out the door. Vashro, out the door. Aguilar, out the door. That had been, I think Barnaby's out as well. He is. And yeah. that had been the core of a team that had accomplished so much dating back to the semifinal run 2018 NCAAs. And right. so it's essentially new blood down in College Station. I'm curious what it's like for you to get the chance. I mean, I feel like it's always got to be fun as a coach to get your hands on a new team, a new group from the start. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I mean, I know that we've probably overscheduled this year, but sure. we always, you know, play the best teams in the country. Um, and it's just part of who we are down there. Uh, to, to be really good, you got to play really good players, and you just have to rise up. And somebody's going to – or a couple guys are going to have to step up. Uh, you know, we've kind of got our – let's call it our four through eight guys back, and those guys all of a sudden now have to be 
one, twos, and threes, and uh, they got to grow up pretty quickly. And I know the guys are looking forward to the challenge. Uh, you know, the chemistry on the team will be important. Our doubles will be very important. Uh, and we've got some influx of some new blood with Julio Perego coming, mm -hmm. uh, who I think is a really tal talented Italian. Had a few good wins at Bonfiglio just recently. And, uh, and then uh, Luke Casper, who I think is a good competitor. Um, he uh, had a good win yesterday against Ethan Quinn, and so he shows a lot of promise and a, a good fighter. I think he's going to be really good in college matches. And then we added uh, Mathis Ross from Virginia Tech, who has three years left, who's a really talented athlete that runs a five-minute mile. And uh, <laughs> and uh, so I may hook up some of the other guys, hitch them up to him and let him uh, run those guys is, to death. Is that I a five-minute Texas mile or five minutes in, like, normal heat? Uh, that's uh, well. We'll see. That's good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I don't know that he's. I think he can run it in Florida. So I yeah. think that equates to Texas. <laughs> that's uh, what I like to hear. Yeah. So I mean, we've got some. We've got some pieces. We've got some young guys. We've got. You know, we've had some really really good teams. Mm -hmm. um, as you alluded to, the 2018 team was a semifinal team and really had a chance to win. Mm -hmm. um, 2019, we took a little step back because we lost our top three guys. This is kind of similar to that. Mm -hmm. 2020, we were running the table, I think, in the SEC. We beat the two best teams in the conference in mm -hmm. South Carolina and Florida. And it looked, it felt like the 2018 team mm -hmm. where we could be a quarterfinal, semifinal team, and then you never know. Mm -hmm. And then this year, you know, we had a lot of injuries. At one point this year, um, we, had, we beat TCU and Baylor, and I had four guys sitting on the sidelines yeah. eating a sandwich yeah. that had played the year before. Yeah. And so we had some injuries, but we came together at the end. You almost beat Florida. I was there. Uh, we could have beaten them twice. Yeah. Uh, Alex, we were in the SEC semis. Mm -hmm. We were a break in the third on two courts. Yep. Uh, didn't win either one of them to lose 4-3. And then you saw the crazy doubles point. Started at 2 a. Uh, it actually started yesterday. Yeah. And it just started. Yeah. And then Vachero up a break in the third. Aguilar, had, like had, seven games in a row. Yeah, hadn't, hadn't lost to Dwart before. <laughs> uh, Aguilar up 3 love in the third. Guido beating, yeah. uh, um, you know, Goodger down at six when we stopped. Mm -hmm. So we, there was a window. Yeah. And we were the team, I felt, if we were on all cylinders with two top five players with good doubles and solid at the back, not great like yeah. Florida was at the back, but we were the team to beat them if anyone was going to. Mm -hmm. And we just couldn't quite get it done, and hats off to them. They had a great run, and, uh, you know, the guys continue to play well this summer. No, you were the kryptonite, absolutely. From We like to do match calculus as a pundit, and it's like if you, it's crazy to say because – Riffis was an NCAA champion at two singles, but it's like, hey, if you're going to beat Florida, you probably have to beat them at one, two, and three because Bicknell's undefeated at four, Goodger's undefeated at six, so there's two points for them, and you guys did have the recipe to do it to that point, and that was what made that match so exciting. But, you know, even uh, moving, again, beyond that, I'm curious, and I'm, I'm asking all of these coaches this question on the idea of, you know, you guys were able to bring back all of that talent last year, but you look, one of the biggest stories of this offseason undoubtedly is the, I don't want to say emergence, but the prevalence of the transfer portal and yeah. the fact that over the next three years, all of these athletes who are granted that additional year of eligibility, if they're not happy in their situation, there's just going to be an extra class of players in college tennis for the next four seasons. If you could go back and chat with 2020 Steve Denton prior to COVID, you'd probably say, hey, there's this thing COVID coming up. 
dump all the stocks. It's about to dust. You know, that's the first thing you tell yourself. But the second thing, do you say, hey, maybe work the NCAA a little bit harder to not grant that extra year of eligibility? Because it does feel like as as good of a feel-good story as it was, it causes a lot of confusion over the next few seasons. Well, I think in fairness to maybe the guys that had their season cut short, Mm -hmm. maybe those guys got to come back. I mean, I could see that. But not to grant everybody additional years. You know, first of all, it put us Mm -hmm. – the reason why we have a couple of guys that are not back Mm -hmm. is because we had, you know, scholarship contracts with other kids coming in, not knowing that these others were going to get an additional year. Mm -hmm. And basically, NCAA said, you know, we're going to give them another year, but you guys figure it out Mm -hmm. as as institutions. So it put the coaches – uh, in a bad position with their parents, with their players, with their coaches, mm-hmm. because for the first time in history, we had to tell them, you know what, we don't have a spot for you. Mm-hmm. Now, we can, uh, you can take the fall off, or you can uh, maybe come back on much less of a scholarship, or we can help you go get your master's somewhere else. Yeah. And that's what's happened. And I don't know that the NCA really fought all those things through the unintended consequences of all that, mm-hmm. and so it put us in a bad position, and and it's changed the landscape at least in the short term. Something that I don't know that any of us could have anticipated, mm-hmm. and now we've just got to go forward and do the best we can. I've made a decision uh, to go younger, yeah, you know, and maybe that'll pay off in a couple of years, and maybe it won't. I don't know. I mean, there's no way of knowing for sure that I've done the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I could have gone older, yeah. uh, like some of these other teams, playing for the now and maybe, you know, short-selling their future a little bit as a result. Uh, so and if I, I may, not to cut you off, but to your point, so that was a conscious strategy because I know, again, one from Virginia Tech who still got three years of eligibility, but you guys had scholarship money, you know, with all the players leaving. I know you've had some prior commitments to contracts, but you, I'm sure – you could have pursued that market if you wanted to. It was a ch- conscious choice. We're going younger. Yeah, we did. We okay. could have pursued some younger, some some of the older players. You know, we've never been a program that has taken a lot of transfer kids. Okay. I have always liked the idea of growing my own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting 17 and 18 year old boys and trying to make them men. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's been our forte. Uh, we've got a lot of guys out there trying to play. Uh, we've had success doing that. And our guys have, we're kind of, you know, if I can toot our own horn a little bit, yeah. we're one of the development programs in the country. And I think everyone knows that, that our guys get better mm-hmm. and they compete hard. And so, you know, I just made a conscious effort that I, I enjoy, you know, I could have at one point in my career, I had opportunities to leave college and go, Uh, coach pro tennis players Mm -hmm. and I turned it down I didn't like the dynamic of you paying me but I'm going to tell you what to do as Mm -hmm. a player Mm -hmm. I saw that in many places where I didn't think that there was for one much stability in it you know too many other people were getting involved so too many cooks in the kitchen and I like the college level I think it's an opportunity to help young players that maybe weren't the freaks that went straight to the circuit sure but there's another path like the rendernecks mm-hmm. and uh like uh, uh cameron norries of the world that are having success now uh because they went through our system mm-hmm. and uh they they needed more time had they gone on the circuit earlier they would have 
probably invariably failed mm -hmm. like I would have done if I was 18 years old I was not ready mm -hmm. but by the time I was 21 or 22 more experience you know s stronger body making better decisions more professional uh i think the longer you wait to go on the tour the better chance you have a chance to stick out there and uh you'll see in that from some of these young players that come through yes there are some kids if they're popping challengers at 17 and 18 years old they don't need to go to college yeah. uh, because they're showing that they're you know if they're getting into the qualities of the slams fairly soon they don't need to go to college but the rest of them it's a great pathway to uh, get into programs and give yourself more time to work on your game and not be under the pressure and uh, and still be and still there is another path to have success. Absolutely, and again, one of those guys who I think now uh, certainly everyone's excited. He was the talk of the NCAA's is Hattie Habib. Everyone thinks Hattie is, has just immense amounts of pro upside and I you know he was a guy who stayed a couple of years and as you mentioned you guys are a developmental program so one of the questions I want to ask all of you coaches with the NIL ruling the uh, the opportunity now for these athletes to make a little bit of money off of their likeness off of their image tennis is not going to be football it's not going to be basketball and it would be un it would be disingenuous for us as people who care about college tennis to have those sorts of expectations and yet I'm curious for you because you know how difficult it is on that ITF future circuit grind. The fact that you're oftentimes paying money to be ranked in, you know, from that 400 down range as right. opposed to actually making any money. Do you think it will get to a point where college tennis will provide a pathway for those in that sort of bubble to where, as a coach, you can genuinely say, hey, give me two years. Not only will I be able to put more money in your pocket than you would two years spending money at the futures, but then you get the two years inherently of training on a college campus as well. Is, do you think that could be a possible endpoint for this? I do, and I think it could be a very positive. I've, you know, I've always felt like that tennis players, It was it, some of the rules were kind of archaic to yes. other sports. Ours is a, a niche sport that requires money to travel and play. These kids are not making money going out and playing tournaments, but to have the ability to at least cover their expenses to go and play is a way to uh, be get good. When I was uh, back in my day, I went to Europe in the summer and played, you know, a bunch of tournaments the whole summer. Um, and I was fortunate enough that my father could afford to send me over there, but a lot of kids didn't have that opportunity. So I think the fact that they're able to go play, play more tournaments, anything that uh, – allows them to do that the additional expense money they're not getting rich they're not professional athletes uh at that point they're just trying to survive to go to the next week to play to put a little money in their pocket so they may be able to take a coach so they may be able to have a, a massage at the end of the tournament so that they can do some things uh uh to, to give themselves a chance because ultimately our goal is to keep the fire lit <laughs> as long as possible to give these kids as much as time as they need because some of them are going to like an Arthur or maybe a Cameron it's 25 or 26 or 27 yeah. when they kind of begin to reach their peak mm -hmm. and we've got to keep them interested and keep them in the game long enough for that opportunity that presents itself for them to have and uh, anything that we can do in that regard I think I I'm going to be for mm -hmm. uh, and I think this is a potential uh, 
win-win for some of those kids to let them go and play. I know that, I mean, I'd like to see, you know, for example, Sam Riffis be able to keep his money at the, Absolutely. At the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that money could be used for tournaments. I, I don't see any reason why you're going to give a kid a wild card into the tournament, but he's not going to be able to take any of the money. Yeah. And yet. Put it in a savings account. Yeah, but yet he could. He could sign a contract with Yonex, yeah, uh, and that money would be okay. Yeah, but but not this money. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? So I, I get it, pay for play and yeah. all that. But uh, as I said, these kids are not making money. Uh, I think that ten thousand dollar rule that we had in play for a while, probably that's going to go away because of this nil. Yep. Hopefully it will. And uh, I think junior players, before they come to college, are going to be able to have expense money to play. This is an expensive sport. Mm -hmm. And in order to get opportunities, you need money to travel or you need a federation behind you helping you Mm -hmm. or something to be able to go out and and, and compete as much as you need to to get good. Mm -hmm. And I apologize for asking, again, you these questions, but you were in this position. You can sympathize with these athletes. If you're a parent or you're talking to a parent, are you worried about the NIL stuff before your kid goes to college? Are you, when they're 14, 15, 16, 17, spending any time thinking about, well, you know, if he's got 10,000 Instagram followers, I bet that's appealing to a donor at X school. Or if he's, you know, again, just a known commodity, that's helpful. Are you still try and keep that out of the process, let the college coaches introduce that? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know as a parent I would really be thinking about that. I yeah. mean, I think as a parent, you want your kids to be healthy and happy and trying to get them to be as good in whatever in whatever direction they go. He's a lawyer, doctor for me. Yeah. Didn't work out. Yeah, understood. <laughs> yeah. Understood. But, but uh, you know, it's turned out pretty well for you. So yeah. Right. Uh, uh, people find their niche in different things. Exactly. And so, you know, it's not always the lawyer, doctor. It's what's going to make you happy as a person. And, and I think parents need to focus on those types of things not so much about the money part Mm -hmm. and i think as this process goes on i think there will be llc's you know there will be things organized by universities that they begin to figure this out Mm -hmm. uh it's very new concept to what we can and can't do okay you know uh to be able to help these kids and to uh, provide them opportunities to uh you know, to make this college experience not as expensive as it once was mm-hmm. uh, and then have the opportunity to whatever sport or whatever endeavor they get into, mm-hmm. that they have some money to be able to pursue that. Absolutely. Well, my last two questions for you, one serious, one fun. We've brought up Arthur Rindernack, who obviously a former Texas A&M All-American, now inside the top 100, inside the top 80, I believe, for the first time of his career in his career now. And, you know, let's date back again. 2018 NCAAs. Nuno's number one in the country. He's, a, I think, a top 200 guy right now, or right around it. You had Torpegard in that group. He's been a top 200 guy. Petros and Gojo at Wake Forest, they've certainly had success throughout their pro careers, were outstanding NCAA athletes. And yet, of that entire group, it's Arthur, who's in the league. You know, he's the top oh, 100. Norrie, oh, Cam Nori. Oh, was he there in 18? I think he left 16 or 17. Was he? I think he was a little sooner. Yeah, he may have been. He yeah, but, been the, but the point being, you're right, Nori is the guy right now, right. and there's a big group of them. I mean, you can go to Tennis Sandgren as well. You can sure. go, obviously, earlier, yeah, right? Stevie J and, and John Isner are the, have been, and Kevin Anderson have been the bearers for the standard for while, bearers for right. a while. But In even, that year, you're right, mm-hmm. and I think the difference for these players 
it's not necessarily obviously where they are there. It's what their ceiling's like. I think Arthur has done a good job of knowing who he is as a tennis player. Okay. I think as soon as you can learn that, he's not going to beat guys from the back. So he's going to hit a big serve, and if he misses his first serve, he's going to hit a big second serve. He's going to hit a forehand, and he's going to get forward, and he's going to p- make you play on his terms. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that and and make other players play your game instead of you playing theirs, you have a great chance for success on the tour. And he's a, he's a good athlete. He's very flexible. He moves well. Uh, and now he's kind of gaining a little bit of confidence. It's yeah. momentum. Look, yeah. it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. You win a few matches. You get a couple wins against some guys. You start to believe. On the other side of that, the other guy sees you. The other players on the circuit are watching their results. So now all of a sudden in a match, and I've noted this this summer, that guys come out against him, they're a little tight. He gets a break ahead, and now all of a sudden, because they have respect for what he's doing, and he has a little more confidence, and that little bit of a change is enough, Mm -hmm. is enough to really start having some success. Mm -hmm. and, And good for him. He's worked hard. You know, he hasn't gotten money from his federation. Yeah. He hasn't gotten money from NLI or for other things. He's earned every damn penny that he's gotten so far. And I really like that kind of story about a kid Mm -hmm. that had enough humility to go out there and try and work hard at it. And, you know, now is kind of reaping some benefit of it. So I think he can be a top 50 player. We'll see. You know, uh, that remains to be seen. But he's had a heck of a good year thus far. You could make a legitimate case that he and Hugo Humbert are the two best French tennis players, uh, men's tennis players right now in the world like that uh, from the from the country of france that he should be the guy representing them at davis cup that's how good arthur's been and when you look you know a monfis a simone a gasquet yeah they're all excellent but i think arthur's right there with them right now and i think well, that's a credit to him the, he's certainly the young yeah buck <laughs> sure coming through a bit and they're obviously a lot more experienced than him and you know once again those types of things are federation decisions and he's not been in the federation Mm -hmm. he's gone out and gotten his own coach and his coach has really helped him and they've you know built a great partnership together to to realize who he is how he needs to play and that's so important as a young player to go out there and uh, and be consistent and recognize that i'm not going to be able to be successful doing it this way i've got to do this and and he's done a great job of that thus far and so i'm i'm real proud of him i i told him you know this year if you ever get to the french i'm coming if you ever get to wimbledon i'm coming i lied to him because i couldn't go to the two tournaments so i'm hopeful i'll get to go to the u.s open Mm -hmm. and um and get to see him there because he's planning on coming over and playing in winston-salem and then uh again uh at the open yeah, no, that's awesome, and he's been absolutely killing it. Well, then, again, my final question to you, and this is one of my pet peeves, and I'm so grateful to be here. Stowe Stadium, Kalamazoo, beautiful tennis facility, of course, but I'll just be honest. My theory, and I'm curious, this is my final question for you, I think blueberries have no place in ice cream. I think it's got to be either strawberries and cream or just I say, you know what, blueberries and cream hold the blueberries. I'll just take the cream, please. Your thoughts on the blueberries and cream, overrated, underrated, properly rated. It's like 90 out right now. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I, I'm i one that I actually like blueberries. Okay. Um, I still like them frozen. Yeah, it's just, yeah maybe. Yeah. Maybe you, yeah. But I, I think they. Uh, it, it's a tradition here. Obviously, sure. like the strawberries and cream are at Wimbledon. And, and I think they did that to have their own 
niche and plus these are this is the the part of the country where i think blueberries are mm -hmm. very prevalent in the summertime and so it's a nice change yeah uh, but i i'm in, i I, I can take the cream for sure. Yeah. No what. You can put a lot of different things on the cream. Exactly. Uh, uh, but uh, I'm just looking for like a caramel option for the semifinals. <laughs> it's like just give us one of those or something funky, and you know we can have some fun. But again, one of the staples not only has it been a tradition, but of course is having you here, Coach Denton. And so I am so grateful for all you do, your kindness to us here at Cracked Rackets, and really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. Oh, thanks. Well, it's great to have, great to be here, out and about again. <laughs> And happy that you're doing such a great job, you know, promoting our sport. It really means a lot to all the people in our industry, all the things that you guys are doing and making college tennis and tennis in general relevant around the world. I appreciate you saying that. I will tell you an anecdote, and our listeners will enjoy this. He's not going to hear this. My dad has a massive head. Like, we're talking top five domes. Would have been a medalist at the Olympics, just head size. And the Texas A&M hat you were kind enough to give me fits his head. And he, go, and he goes, Alex, I'm keeping this. And I was like, sure. I was like, happy birthday. I don't have to get you anything for 58. And so, uh, again, I appreciate you doing that, Coach. Yeah, and no problem. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to chat. Thank you. Have a great day.